Hello and welcome to the Flix Forum podcast where each episode we go back and we check out a Netflix original film in the order of release. This episode we have Netflix 164 film from 2019. It's the psychological thriller Secret Obsession directed by Peter Sullivan starring Brenda Song, Mike Vogel, Dennis Haysbert and Ashley Scott. I'm Jesse and with me I have MJ. How are you? I'm very, very well. I am very much looking forward to talking about this one. This is one of those movies that you just want to talk to someone about after you've watched it. So uh, I'm glad we got to the recording day. Good. I'm, I, that makes me a little bit excited to, to hear what you've got <laughs> to say because I'm putting it out there early. That um, Anyway, my thoughts, I'm going to spoil this quite early. Um, and I'm guessing to have a bit of a discussion about this, we're going to have to uh, yeah, spoil, spoil the plot and some ideas about it pretty early on. So mm. if you haven't seen it, um, yeah, give us a pause. Come back a bit later on uh, because we are going to kick off with our fast flicks where we do a quick summary of what this is all about. So give us your fast flicks, MJ. All right. Secret Obsession is it's about a woman who wakes up after a traumatic experience with no memory of her life over the past few years and needs to figure out who she can trust. Yes, so um, I've just said it's a, a girl is hit by a car and has to overcome amnesia and discover who the people around her really are. Mm, I like mm. it. Nice, nice little uh, tension building. And obviously that's what uh, we want to see in a thriller. So uh, hopefully we'll have some scenes and some ideas about uh, what's going on with this one. But I guess to, to start us off, what can you, you tell us about how this came to Netflix, this film? What's some history behind it? Yeah, it's, it's not a very exciting story from what I can gather. Um, I do remember when this one came out, it got a lot of buzz, a lot of traction, a lot of people talking about it. And I suppose there's some, there's some info here that, that verifies that in some way. But the principal photography for the film took place uh, in 2018. It was in California, um, Pomona and Malibu. Uh, Netflix, from what I can gather, appeared to be part of the process from the very start, which is cool. Um, and then the f- film was released on the 18th of July, 2019, obviously worldwide on Netflix. Um, Netflix announced that for over 40 million viewers um, after its release had seen it on the platform. I've got two differing things. One of them says after three months, they had 40 million viewers. And one of them saying in just 28 days, they had 40 yeah. million viewers. But either way, I mean, we're talking about 40 million viewers in the first couple of weeks, months, or whatever it is for this movie. At the time, it put it in the top 10 most viewed Netflix originals ever. Um, according to some comments, and this is, uh, this is based on the IMDb trivia page, they were hoping to see Brenda Song naked. Um, I know <laughs> there's, there's probably nothing to really suggest that that was going to happen, but I don't know. Maybe he got caught up somewhere. I don't know. Um, either way, eyeballs are eyeballs, so they got that. Um, and and that's kind of all I've got about this film being made. Yeah, there's the. I it was very very difficult to see anything else. I I read a couple of interviews with Brenda Song. Um, just making comments about this film. So one of the lines she said was, uh, just because someone's handsome doesn't mean they aren't crazy. And I was just like, what a great <laughs> quote to, to put in an article. And then it sort of continued on and it said, and this is Brenda Song speaking, she said, this was the first time I felt like I got to really challenge myself in a completely different way and got to explore a side of me that I'd never gotten to explore. So um, obviously Brenda Song really, really enjoyed uh, playing this role. I did say that Brenda's, Song did a lot of the um, a lot of the press stuff, um, and 
I don't want to, like, obviously we'll get to the ratings in a sec. It's, it's not a very highly rated film. And you, we do find when films aren't that good that they, they tend to have a lot less press about them. Um, and I found that a lot of the stuff Brenda Song was saying was things like, oh, you know, they're, they're asking questions like, oh, this is going to be really exciting film. You know, what do you, do you think that's going to be something that the viewers are really excited about or they're going to learn something new or they're going to be on the edge of their seat? And every time she sort of answered things, she said like, yeah, look, I really hope so. <laughs> there was nothing definitive about like, ah, uh, you know what, this film absolutely rocks. Like, I got no doubt it's going to be an absolute cracker. She just, it was very interesting to read after I'd watched the film how tentative she was about like was. committing to it, saying that it's a good film. <laughs> it's a yeah, I guess that's a bit of a reflection. Maybe she heard some early press. Yeah, maybe she was bloody on the on the set and thought, hang on, I don't know how well this is going. <laughs> Well, what um, well, did you see the tagline for this one? No, I, I deliberately avoided it. All right, so the, the tagline for this one is "He's there to take care of her." <laughs> no, oh, that's what a awful. <laughs> uh, uh, um, the only other thing that I've, I've got to add, I guess, is uh, there was one translation across most of the translations for the title of this film across the world was Secret Obsession. Um, you know, pretty straightforward, pretty easy. In, um, in um, uh, the United Arab Emirates, it was called My Black Box. So um, That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't know get it. why that made up my black box. So um, yeah, that's that was the title in the United Arab Emirates. So I'm not I sure. I do have to say, I think that Secret Obsession is a good title. I know we do question titles from time to time, but I reckon it's a good one. Okay, good. I'm. I, I don't know if I'm sold on it. To be honest, um, <laughs> it's just a. I guess once you watch, if you've seen the film, and hopefully you have, if you're still listening, it's. I don't know. Maybe it gives away too much. Uh, but maybe everything that's, gives away too much. Yeah, the, yeah, the whole poster, yeah, the trailer, like yeah. <laughs> ridiculous. All right, well, let's um, let's talk about. You mentioned this before the consensus. What have you got for us on what people are saying? So IMDb has it at four point four out of ten of twenty thousand ratings. I find I found and Letterbox had about fifteen thousand ratings. I found those ratings really low in terms of the amount of number of people who did it, considering they're talking about forty million viewers. Um. Yeah, I'm a little bit sus on that, whether how accurate those numbers are from Netflix. And I know that they've got a, I think at the time they were reporting this, they, it was something like 90 seconds or two minutes of watching counts as a watch. So um, either way, 4.4 out of 10 IMDb, 1.7 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Very low, very stinky. Um, I didn't see what Rotten Tomatoes did, but I'm sure you did. Yes, I did. Uh, the Rotten Tomatoes, the, the critics had it at 28%. That was on 18 reviews. So rotten there. Um, the audience had it the lowest out of everything, I think, on 13%. That's on over 100. So um, <laughs> extreme dislike across the board for this one. <laughs> and I guess um, it's a good segue for us to give our early thoughts on uh, where we're with for this one. So what are, you, what are your thoughts? This is why I'm keen to talk about this film because it was it was laughably bad. It it, it felt like a student film, and they, and they had to, they basically had to make sure that they could use as many common thriller traits in order to tick all these boxes they had on some sort of assessment criteria. So they had to make sure they included everything, and they made it very very obvious to the assessor 
that they hadn't missed the opportunity to show why we should suspect the killer, who another suspect is early on, make sure that the detective is dealing with his own sort of personal demons and have it really difficult for our witness to actually leave the house as she's locked in. And the list goes on. Everything they did was just so obvious and in your face. But like there are, I know, there are worse movies out there, but, but there's few movies that have assumed stupidity on its audience like this one. It, it's not even... That's not even mentioning some of the bizarre pieces of dialogue and character decisions, but I felt like the director thought I was such an idiot watching this film that they had to spell out everything to me so clearly. Um, I, I, what I find funny, it kind of excites me though, that I feel like Netflix execs were sitting in a screening room and they're watching the final product and the lights came on at the end and they just sort of said, shit, ah, oh, oh, fuck it. Let's just release it. Let's just... <laughs> Let's just release it as is. No press. Let's just get this movie. <laughs> That's how I felt it would have happened. It's so funny because I think like you with your early thoughts, like that's what I'm going to close with. <laughs> like I was going to like kind of go through and go through all the examples of why they think we're stupid, and then sum up and go. These people think we're dumb. So um, I mean, I think the the key thing is that a good thriller, you know, you want it to misdirect the audience along the way. And this adds into that idea of thinking that we're stupid as an audience, because this one doesn't even bother to be clever. And it's like one of the most pedestrian films that I have seen in a long, long time. Um, It was just, as you mentioned, really nicely. It was like, let's tick the box of, you know, like when he's in the parking lot at the shopping center. And like, I think, um, like he's got like this big bag on of whatever he's cement or whatever it was and it says like why yeah. on it or something like it's like just so blatantly like oh let's add these cool things in to look like we're clever and it's like you're dumb um oh, anyway <laughs> let's um the rest of it i'm probably going to struggle to form much of a discussion because this is like i mentioned this is mediocre at best for me so um mm. i'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts on the characters because i know you usually do a good job with this <laughs> well let, i want to start with with Jennifer, played by Brenda Song. And and one thing I think is definitely glossed over is despite the fact that Jennifer obviously gets out of this terrifying ordeal, she's now facing her life <laughs> with, with her husband, her mother and father <laughs> all being murdered. And that's like as grim as it gets. And, and they don't ever really discuss that. Everyone's like, oh man, she is so lucky that she got out of this. Like her life is just destroyed, but they don't ever bother yeah. to discuss it. <laughs> I've literally um, like, and I forgot that too, because I'm like, you know, literally everything you learn about her in this is not real throughout the whole film. So the things you do know about her, like you just mentioned, are that her husband and her parents who loved her are dead. And that's the end. And that, <laughs> like, that, that's her character. Uh, it was, it's awful. <laughs> like, I feel <laughs> so sorry for her. Um, I have to say, this, this character itself could have been a lot worse. I, I, I think she's... She's naturally curious and she's guarded about her situation. She obviously annoys me a little bit when she she starts to figure things out and she really pushes on him when she should just lean into the fact that, okay, I know what's going on, but I want him to know that I know what's going on and give her a chance to sort of strike when she's got a plan or an opportunity. But like, I, I know that's a trope of the genre, right? She's going to learn things yeah. and question him and get frustrated. But apart from that, like the character, this character was actually okay. Yeah, I mean, and Brenda Song in the role that she had, like the performance wasn't wasn't horrendous yeah. or anything. Um, so you know, you, you can give a tick for that, I guess, if that's where if that's the sort of our benchmark we're playing with. Yeah, that's fair. And look, I, I want to every actor in this movie 
it would have been a bloody hard movie to act in. They, they, some of the dialogue and and some of the some of the, I don't know if you want to even call it character development, but what they were trying to do with these characters. If I'm an actor, and I certainly don't know the the mind of an actor, but it must have been so hard to get any sort of traction with these roles. Yes, I guess uh, that can lead us into Russell because I think that he's probably the um, probably had the hardest job with the character he had. <laughs> yeah, I've got some thoughts here. Um, I think because I'm trying to dissect why this film's so bad, right? But I, I think to make this film work in any capacity, you need to truly believe that Russell is very, very unwell mentally. Like he's a psychopath, but his judgment is also massively clouded. And on the most part, he simply just has to be wildly delusional for any of this to make sense. But unfortunately, he's generally painted as a somewhat smart, logical man who's kind of got this facade figured out. But realistically, how is this ever going to end? Like, the fake phone numbers and addresses were always going to be found out at some point. People know Jennifer, like apart from her husband and her parents, people know her and they would start to get suspicious about where she is and what's going on. He murdered her parents. Her husband at, the, at that time was missing. So people are going to ask questions there. You assume that he probably murdered the people that lived in the house that they were staying in. Cause you, you get the reveal that it's not their house. Like was, was the plan for Jennifer to never leave the house again? Because None of this makes sense unless you go down this delusional psychopath road. And his obsession with her meant that even a short amount of time of being her husband with, I think the end goal was being intimate with her was going to be enough for all the carnage that he'd caused earlier. And that's fine if he's so mentally messed up that you can believe that, but this isn't the guy that we see throughout the whole film. Yeah. I I think, I think you've done an excellent job there. That's such a good point that, if you if you need a character to and for me it's like straight away you know based on like any sort of film that you've seen that he's sus straight away so you don't have any part of you thinking throughout this film that he's not going to have some sort of role to play in this he's, there's no innocence in in him at all but you do like you mentioned need to see like a like a bit of light and shade in the character to see some side of him you know I think we get like one or two scenes where he starts to crack it a little bit and you know, raise his voice and that's about it. Whereas I think you've, you've put it perfectly that you need to see, you know, some flashbacks of him, you know, being, um, you know, in a mental institution or something like that, just to give that extra context as to how could such a normal person, you know, that we, they mm-hmm. want you to believe he is, act like this. <laughs> yeah. Or the flip side is he's so clever and so cunning that you can't see any holes in his plan and you can't see a way that she's actually going to get out of this. There's just way, way too many flaws that he's going to get found out at some point. This is not a sustainable option for their lifestyle. And so the two of them together just doesn't work. And even like in mentioning that, the only reason that she had amnesia was because she got hit by the car. So his original plan that we probably would have seen, she wasn't going to have amnesia. So she wasn't going to have forgotten who she was and he wasn't going to have this ability to do this. So what was his original plan? Like he was just going to trap her up and like, yeah, I, I think that, Everything you've said leads to that thought that this just wasn't thought out very well. It wasn't, no. And let's let's compare this to Misery. And I know we're comparing two very different films in terms of um, how well they're actually made and thought out. But this, this is like take, takes a lot out of out of the idea of Misery. But if you compare Russell to Annie Wilkes, for example, or the situation in Misery, she is she is really mentally unstable and you see her flipping from side to side about 
how she's trying to control this. She has this obsession with, I think his name's Paul in the film. Um, and, and you can see that it's very clear that she has this obsession. But the other thing is nobody knows he's there. She's taken his car that he has a crash in. Like there's, there's so many situations in this where like, like he is not getting out and no one is ever going to find him in this secluded house with this psychopath who's got this upset. And like that all works because you've got someone where you can see how mentally unstable she is and how obsessed she is with him. And he has no way of getting out. And that's what builds that thrill and, and, and the excitement of the film. This film just doesn't allow that to happen it, it, on a surface level. Yeah. Okay. This is like misery light, but there's so many holes in this guy's plan that it just doesn't make any sense. Yes, <laughs> I love how revved up and how enthusiastic you are about this because it's <laughs> it's great because it, you know it's, it makes you think oh you know what everyone else is thinking we're thinking sort of along the same lines because I've, I'm I'm going to jump in here and talk about the detective I think Frank Page because yes. um, as you mentioned at the start you know it, it's like we chuck in a, a detective who's got a backstory that gives the motivation to you know connect to the crime I, I think that. Um, that, that, that connection was so weak and so minuscule. Like <laughs> that, it was very hard to draw string, like draw a connection as to how the, the, the you know his daughter missing had any connection to this at all. But <laughs> I really I didn't mind his backstory, and I I think I liked him as a character just because everything else was so ridiculously stupid. <laughs> it was just mm. like he's actually kind of a normal person who has emotions and feelings, <laughs> and even if we only saw like little like and it was like three little distinct sharp scenes of that mention. I, I didn't mind those three little bits, I guess. <laughs> I That's fair enough too. I agree. I actually feel really sorry for Dennis Hayes, but who had probably some of the worst lines of dialogue in the film <laughs> that he just had to produce. <laughs> <laughs> get me the CCTV I, I footage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get to some when we talk about scenes. <laughs> again, and I like what you're saying because I do agree. And, and there was something about him that made me comfortable. It's like, okay, maybe something good might happen in this scene. But again, it just felt like they made all these really wooden stale attempts to show that this was the cliche cop who was going to stop at nothing to solve this case. And then they have the scenes where everyone's saying that he's letting his own past and his emotions creep into the case. What the hell are they talking about? This is clearly something worth investigating. And they, they keep making these blatant references to his own daughter, which you actually they kind of set up quite nicely with this subtle highlight. And then they start to throw it in your face about how direct it is to the actions that are taking place. But like, this is a story that you should be investigating. There's so many suspect things going on. Stop making out like he's a renegade cop just going, I've got a hunch here guys, and I'm going to solve this case. And (laughs) probably the other thing that bothered me is I don't know what happened in this story to ensure that he could move on from the tragedies of his own life. Like, he's got this whole like you know i did it i solved the jennifer allen case so now i can retire and and get past the tragedy of losing my own child it just it didn't fit it felt so weird that that was the catalyst for his change because it wasn't like he'd returned a daughter to their parents or anything like (laughs) you know they're well and truly gone so there was like i mentioned the connections or the the correlation they were trying to make it just didn't work Nah, and the, yeah, on the surface it does. That's the thing. On the surface, everything in this field works, but as soon as you, you go like the tiniest slither under it, you're like, this has got no foundation at all. Uh, are there any other characters that you wanted to talk about? No, there wasn't. No, nah, good, excellent. Let's start talking about Peter Sullivan, the director. Uh, anything that you wanted to share about him? 
Um, look, I think a lot of it was sort of Hallmarky type Christmassy movies stuff. Yeah, it was. Um, yep. He's, he's a bit out of his depth, I think. Yeah, I know. He's got 149 producer credits, 101 writing credits, and 35 director credits, and most of them are rubbishy TV movies and Christmas movies. So bang on the plot. All right, yeah. same time. This is uh, this is where we can talk about some things that we liked and we didn't like. Um, start us off with anything that you did enjoy in this. I did it. Okay, I have to say, I thought the house was incredible. I enjoyed going. I enjoyed looking through the house. I thought it was really well done to the um, I don't know, to the locations advisor for for finding a really great house. I thought that was really good. It was pretty. <laughs> I, I'm clashing it was nice. I, that I like. It was really nice. I'd love to live. I'd love to live there. It was nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll also be honest, as much as I was like, cringing at so many things in this film that by the end of it turned into laughing at the film, um, I, was, I was intrigued by Russell's story. Like, you know from two minutes in that he's the guy and he's, he's pulling off some, you know, dirty trick here. But I, 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 was, I was intrigued because I wanted to find out what his story was. That, that question was never far from my mind. And, and despite the fact that they didn't... Um, they didn't succeed with any kind of thriller tropes by having you second guess who was actually the, the killer, um, for lack of a better word. But I was intrigued by what his story was. So that was, that was good. And actually, on the back of that, I kind of enjoyed his, his backstory as well because whilst I thought at that point when they revealed his backstory about how he worked with her and how he was jealous of the husband, rah, rah, I thought they would butcher that because it was far enough in the film where they were butchering everything else. But it was semi-logical. I, I got, I got, an, I got an idea of okay, this could happen. This man could feel this way and think that he's got no way other, no other way to go about it than what he's done. So I kind of bought that as well. They're, they're the things that I like. Good. Um, the uh, I, I mentioned this before. The detective page moments. I liked where we saw him buying the presents for the daughter that doesn't exist, mm. and him sitting at home looking at that big room of all the. Um, you know, unopened gifts that he's prepared for her over the years. Um, so I liked that, even though, you know, like we mentioned before, the connections to to the motivations of, of solving another case based on that were pretty lacking, but I didn't mind those, those moments because I think, um, yeah, that was the one character that I enjoyed. So, yeah, that's all I've got. That, that scene would have been so much better if... Um if they didn't mention like four times afterwards that his daughter had gone missing. Like that was because you picked up straight away. You're like, Oh, this guy's got his own personal baggage about his own daughter. who's either dead or gone missing. That's enough. That's all you need to do. The audience got it. And then they just kept throwing it in your face. So I was like, Oh, you ruined it. And they, they use that, you know, over uh, use technique of having the, the TV or the radio report in the background to, to, to inform you of what's going on too. So it sounds yeah. Like, yeah. But you're right. Cause that was a really good scene. What you said. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, what are some things that you didn't like in this? All right. I'll try and keep this brief. Um, I thought really early on when she discovered that her parents had died in a fire Um I just don't think that situation was handled very well by, by Russell. I think that um, she's literally discovering that her parents are dead when she didn't know they were dead. Regardless in your world, whether that happened five years ago or not, you probably need to handle that situation with a little bit more care. And I think they could have done that so much, so much better. Um, I'm going to yeah, go if, next if, if, to... Yeah, go. I'll just jump in because yeah, if you're assuming that 
based on the amnesia, she remembers things from the past, then he knows that he's killed them. So he knows that she doesn't know that they're being burnt in a house. So, he, yeah. so no matter no matter which way you look at it, it's flawed the way he does that. <laughs> yeah, you need to treat that situation like you are telling someone that their parents have just died. Like you're a policeman who's... And it's awful news and you've got to handle that so much better than they handled it. So um, I really disliked the brooding music every time that that dark hair man was on screen. Uh, every, this is the guy who they obviously wanted you to think was a suspect, even though you already knew that Russell was the bad guy. And they had the music. They focused on his black boots, his leather jacket, his his chain that he has for his wallet. It was so bad. And that's what I'm talking about. They're like, hey, I've seen this in movies before. So let's replicate it exactly without any of the subtleties of any other filmmaking ideas that we might have had in this situation. It was terrible. And the, the worst um, part about the worst part about that was that there's like they did that and then there's a scene where they actually show his face, but then they revert back to going with the, you know, <laughs> the, the shot to not revealing his face again. It's like you've already shown us his face. We, we, we don't need <laughs> we know who he is. Yeah. It's like, no, no, this is a shot that I see in movies. This is what I see, yeah. and this is what we're gonna do. Um <laughs> the scene in the bed when um when they kind of start to to make out a little bit and it's bad for so many reasons because why did she hook up with him when we already have evidence that she's sus on him? She's been trying to get into his computer. She's recognizing the photos are a bit dodgy. And then on the flip side, why did he act so kind of rapey when like he's, he's living this whole plan out. And the thing that got me the most is why she didn't leave the bed after that. <laughs> like, this situation just happened and she's like, you know what? No, that's not cool, man. Good night, and she just goes to bed. <laughs> it's just terrible. It was bad. It was bad. <laughs> All right, here's one of the uh, the bad lines that um, the, the detective had. He he got some information about where her parents had lived, and his line was, "She shared a house with her parents. Not she lived with her parents. She shared a house with her parents." And then he drives in, and a sign says, "Allen House." <laughs> you have got to be kidding me I knew which house he was going to you didn't need to spell out to me that he was going to no one puts their name on their house it's so bad it's a a common theme isn't it because he um, Russell puts up that fake name on their house (laughs) I was so funny when I read that um this is probably not as bad as all the other things, but I just didn't like it when she taped up her ankle with duct tape. Like, it wasn't going to do anything. It didn't add to anything. I don't know why she did it. Uh, but I'm happy to move on with that because there were so many other things. Um, the final end chase scene when they're outside walking through the bush where there's about 500 shots of the three of them, just like walking, different shots, mid shots from all of them, just walking, walking. It, it felt like they were in like, just like at a bike track where there's some, some trees and bushes. They'd had no budget to do anything else. And then she th- throws this rock. Like she's in the scene and you can see her throw a rock. He's right there. There's no bushes in between them. And he's like focusing intently on the rock, not thinking about where it's going. And she tries to hit him with the trunk. Like the whole thing was laughably terrible. Like they couldn't even save it with a good final scene. It's so bad. And then it just sort of ended, didn't it? It was just like, okay, <laughs> let's hug, hug and we're finished. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, and again, like, 
again, I already mentioned this. I just don't understand why the detective could move on with his life after all this. It didn't feel like that was what he needed, but I did mention that in the characters. But that that scene when, I don't know what it was, three months later, one month later, however long it was, Jennifer just goes to visit the detective as he's moving house. <laughs> it just felt like, I don't think these guys would have had now. that kind of relationship. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I mean, she got no one else, but. And, just, yeah. and she seemed like really chipper with where her life was at. Everything about that was like, well, we've got to have the big good finale, like where it ends well. And I just, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was actually laughing by the end of this film. That's that's where I'm at. Good. Um, I got a couple of other little things I'll add in. I think um, the the scene when Russell and Jennifer first arrive at the nice big house, and you know they. She's sort of in a bit of awe about how big and huge it is. And, and I think his commentary was, um, you know, the nearest neighbours are over a mile away. And I was just like, oh, come on. <laughs> like, you don't need to set it up for any, any more that they are isolated. Thank you. We get that. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep. laughs> and the only other thing I'll add is um, when um, Jennifer wakes up in bed and she like, tries to get her foot loose because he's tied her foot to the, mm. the chair. I really wanted to see like a sore type moment. I, I, I was just like hanging out for her to like start cutting her leg off. Um, I don't know why, but that's what I really wanted. And They did not the have the budget on. for that. <laughs> and the, the follow on, which really annoyed me was Russell literally coming in with a rope and then lighting the candle and the focus on the lighting the candle. I've got <laughs> some rope. And we've got a fire. Oh, I wonder what could happen. I wonder. I really wonder where this is going to go. Um, also, she was still lighting that. She was still lighting that rope up when he was like when opening he the door. Like, <laughs> then she was already like out of the bed in the ensuite. Already had a weapon ready to go. Like, they didn't do that well either. Most flammable rope in the world. <laughs> Uh, all right. what, what, what are some ideas that this one was trying to say? What are some themes? Now, this this got me thinking as well because this was definitely lacking core themes and messages, and it focused instead, as I said, on on techniques and tropes that they tried to elicit audience responses from what they've seen from other thriller films, right? And I have no doubt that's why it doesn't work. Not only does the audience struggle to connect with the story, the actors have nothing to work with. Everything happens on a surface level. It's almost like read this line, feel this way, do this thing. There's nothing to sink your teeth into. So I'm, I'm sure there are some themes, but out of protest, I haven't actually thought about what they were. And I've thought about why the fact they haven't really focused on themes and ideas to, to make it really hard to make a you know comprehensible film. Yeah, I'm probably drawing um, some massively, massively uh, loose connections, but just people that suffer from amnesia and the struggles they have in life and sure. in and um, dealing with relationships. And there's a little bit, I guess, about that idea of obsession and stalkers and toxic masculinity. Mm. It's times where men believe that they can, you know, do what they want to do to control people um, in certain situations. But obviously I don't think that was the idea of the film, but that was something that I could try and draw some commentary on. Mm. Yeah. You can't watch this. And these, these filmmakers have some really strong feelings on amnesia or, you know, the, the, the masculinity and, and the idea that, you know, men can take what they want. They don't have strong ideas on it. They, they showed things that happened in it, but I didn't get a vibe about whether they thought it was good or bad or indifferent. So that's, and that's, that's a problem. Definitely. Um, 
what did you take away from this film then? Because I think we've probably said a lot of stuff that we've already taken away from it. Have you got anything different? I do. This is a good takeaway, to be perfectly honest. The final credits for this movie went for about 90 seconds. And yes. again, it's probably a highlight of the fact that there weren't that many people working on this film. Obviously, when you watch a film, you're talking between six and 10 minutes generally for the final credits. And I'm not kidding. It was 90 seconds. And it's, again, it's probably just a highlight that this, this was very independent. They didn't have a lot of resource. They didn't have a lot of support. And it's, again, not surprising that maybe things didn't work because of that. It's, it's, it was interesting. That's a yeah, really good pickup because I noticed that too. When, the, when we do one of these films, I use the hover bar on the, the timer just to get to the credits at the end. I take away how long of credits so I know exactly how much time I need to watch the film. So I was oh, right. a bit surprised when I was like, oh, this film's... Um, you know, literally the runtime because I don't need to take <laughs> 10 minutes off to watch it. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a nice observation, buddy, because, yeah, I mean, if you had have had 10 minutes worth of credits, you'd probably be rethinking a lot of people's careers, whereas, you know, less people that we can um, sort of say get a different job. And But you know what? It's probably people that didn't have the support, people who were very novice in, in a lot hmm. of their roles and no one who was actually going to stand up and go, uh, this doesn't work, guys. So that, that, that probably says something. Yeah. The only other thing I'll add is that, you know, for me, I, I, there was not much that engaged me in this. And I think that was because I had no real concern or fear for any of the characters um, based on everything that we've already discussed. So I think that's something that you really need in a film, really need. Mm. Um, that's fair. Yeah. IMDb, did you jump on to check anyone out? Uh, I went on to check out Brenda's song because we talked about it last week. I didn't know her and I still don't know her. I don't know what she's been in. Oh. Uh, she's in the social network. Um, I did say that, but the, I didn't remember her the, from it. Uh, that's probably the biggest problem she had, but there's a Disney Channel show, uh, The Sweet Life of Zach and Cody, which right. was a, a staple in our house growing up. Um, and they did a lot of crossovers with like That's So Raven and Hannah Montana and, and things like that. So, um, And she had a, a pretty big role in that. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's where I definitely remembered her from when I mentioned that last week. Okay, and I'm just thinking now, social network, is she like Andrew Garfield's wife or something in that? It's been a long time since I've seen yeah. that. Yeah, um, I saw yeah. social network and I'm like, oh, it doesn't ring a bell, but now I'm thinking about it even more. Maybe. Yeah, I Good. Um, did you have any questions that you wanted to ask? Yeah, we, you kind of touched on this. So my, my thing was, how did Russell know that she would have lost her memory? Like to just... Yeah. brazenly walk into the hospital like, it's just the ballsiest move i've ever seen like he's basically trying to kill her he's killed her family and he's like you know what she had had pretty hard i could i could, I could have a crack here i but, reckon this is gonna work but also like what was his intention of following her to that you know abandoned gas station or whatever it was like with a knife if his plan was that he loved her like why was he just going to kill her straight away like i don't know yeah, yeah. It's a good point. I, I wonder if he was going to like rape her and kill her and sort of, you know, get it, get his intimacy from her that he's always wanted and then realize that, well, I can't really go any further than this. And he was going to kill her. He's like, good. there was definitely an idea that he was going to kill her. And yeah, then but he's got <laughs> a lot of trouble. Like, he's killed her parents oh, yeah. and her husband, like, True. all before this, this event happened. So, surely he had some sort of plan of taking her somewhere. I don't know. It's just that there's You're so right, many unanswered questions. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, the idea of him to think that, because she's hit her, a lot of people hit their head, get really bad concussion, get really sick. 
but they don't lose their memory. And he's just like rolled the dice and going, I reckon, I reckon I can make this work. Yeah, ridiculous. Uh, I've got one for you. The, so yeah. you, we mentioned it before, the, the misdirect, the ridiculous misdirect character of um, the shady guy that rocks up. So yeah. I think his name was um, Khan, I think they said, uh, when he dropped right. the flowers off of possibly, I think. Um, so he said his name was Khan. So who was he? And how, does he, how did he know her? Why was he showing so much interest? Give us no, something. Wasn't he at the, I thought he was at the scene. I thought he was at the crime scene. He was one of the wasn't that, the didn't they interview? So he was one of the guys at the crime scene. Okay, I, I think I, you, I got, thought I thought he was. Maybe I'm wrong, but he wasn't the guy who hit her. But when the guy no, hit her, he got interviewed. Yeah. Came, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, that's what I thought. Um, I could be wrong though. I just assumed he was at the crime scene. It just felt like such a ridiculous misdirect. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. didn't it? Because we already knew. Like we already knew. And I, I think I watched. I remember watching the trailer for this movie when it came out, and I remember watching it being like. Oh, okay. Well, I know what happens, but maybe that's okay. Maybe you're supposed to suspect this guy from the very, very start. And like, you look at the poster, he, it's obviously a big photo of Brenda Song, but in the background, he's like looking at her like really dicely, like, I'm going to get you. And like, so you, you, I, I feel like you're supposed to know what he's doing. But then when the movie starts, like, I don't think they want us to know this, but it's so obvious. <laughs> yes. Um, so the detective, when he's like trying to work out who she actually is, the tattoo. I didn't like. <laughs> so he finds that the that a tattoo that that actually means Alan. Like, yeah. Have you ever heard of like or seen a tattoo of a specific way a letter is, like <laughs> saying what a name yeah. is, and then leading that to being able to find the exact Jennifer Allen and her parents straight away? Like, it's a really good point. Um, I I wonder <laughs> if the movie was better. I would have thought of that as a bit of a, oh, come on. Like, but because of the movie, I was like, what's his eighth? And the guy said, oh, that means Alan. I was like, oh, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> like, if that's what okay. that means, then that's what that means. <laughs> and I think maybe I let it go because I could have, but you're right. It was, it was stressed. Stupid. <laughs> uh, but that, that must exist, ask? right? Surely that exists. It must, there's like a coat of arms things for, I don't know, whatever it is. You'd think, who knows? <laughs> there's a lot in this that doesn't make sense. So, <laughs> true. <laughs> Uh, anything else you want to ask? No, there wasn't. All right. Well, it's time to wrap it up. Give this a, a rating out of five for an average. Uh, give us your final thoughts. Look, this might surprise you, but I have to, firstly, I, this was a thrill. I never felt that thrill. Like the reveal happened so early, or, or maybe they, as I said, maybe they thought it was subtle. Um, so, in a sense, like it was just a slow burn the whole way through and it, it felt very cheap. It felt very disjointed. Um, it had some really unsupport. It was a really unsupported filmmaking experience in general. And I kind of enjoyed it in the same way that you might enjoy The Room or something like that. Where you, you kind of, you laugh at it. You're not offended by it. You're just like, this This sucks. And I'm not having a terrible time watching it. I'm just, um, I'm, I'm seeing something that's done really poorly. So therefore it kind of escapes the total doldrums of my ratings and I'm still going to give it one and a half stars. Okay. That's, that's still, it's still horrible. So it's okay. It's low. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, yeah, I'm, there's parts of this, that it looked okay, but the whole thing, as we've said, it, it was the complete mess. And I think Brenda Song made a real poor choice. If this was her <laughs> trying to make a career in something that's other than mediocre roles, because this, this film was very, very ordinary. I'm, I'm giving it a one. So, um, yeah, a good. one and a one and a half. Yeah. <laughs> so 
But uh, I so wanted to give it a one, and I was like, you know what? I didn't, I didn't have a bad time watching it. I know it was a bad film in so many ways. <laughs> like, <laughs> bad yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't like you were um, sitting there counting down how long to go. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was having fun with it by the end. If I watched it again, I'd probably enjoy it more. Just to strip it all back and go, God <laughs> almighty. But it does annoy you, right? When you know there's so many talented people out there who are trying to make a career in this this business and probably have heaps of great ideas and there's heaps of undiscovered resources of, of directors and cinematographers who would just love to have a crack and could make something 50 times as good as this, but this gets green light, you know? That's, that's the thing that does get annoying. Yes, I agree. Well, we have socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Give us a follow if you can. Um, just pondering thought for this week for our socials. What is a good stalker film that you can think of? Um, because we want some positive sort of uh, films. Not necessarily that stalking is positive, but some films that um, you know are done well. And, <laughs> and I, I can yeah, I think Fatal, Attract- Fatal Attraction is a good one um, if you haven't seen Fatal Attraction. Okay, if you want to see, um, have you seen The Gift with Joel Edgerton? Yes, I have actually. Yeah, that's a good one too. I think it's I, he might have even directed it. I don't know. Either way, I'm pretty um, sure he did hear that he really, wrote it or directed it. Yeah, yeah, it's really good, and he is he is chilling in it. Um, really good movie, The Gift. Good. Well, um, we will be back next week for a spy oh. thriller from 2019. Uh, this one I'm looking forward to. Actually, it's the Red Sea Diving Resort which is uh, based on real-life events, I'm pretty sure. It's directed by Gideon Raff, and it stars Chris Evans, Michael K. Williams, Hayley Bennett, Michelle Huseman, Alessandro Nivola, Greg Kinnear, and Ben Kingsley. So a good cast. Nice. Next week. Nice. Yeah, that, I'm looking forward to that one too. Yeah, good. Well, um, it's, as, as we always say, it's always good to actually talk about uh, something once we watch it to, to let out our, oh, our yeah. feelings and, it, and frustrations out. I couldn't agree more. I was I was hanging out to talk about that one. I kind of wish I had done it immediately. It was it was it's it was fun to talk about too. Good, and I thoroughly enjoyed your enthusiasm because, uh, yeah, <laughs> without with, without your uh, over the topness of, of scenes and stuff, I had nothing. I was sitting there. I literally was putting my notes together face and going, I can't even think of a scene that was bad or one that was good. The whole thing was just a mess. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Uh, when I when I realized it was so bad, I'm like, I need to figure out why. I need to know why this feels bad. It wasn't too hard to think about. Good. All right. Well, uh, I will see you next week. You will, mate. Chat then. <laughs>